so when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. Welcome back, everyone. It's Charlie. This is going to be my new Avengers What If trailer video and breakdown of the Marvel live stream that they just did with the Avengers actors. They did a big Avengers live stream organized by the Russo brothers with most of the Avengers. If you're new to the channel, be sure to subscribe to get all the videos. We're going to be getting Avengers WandaVision episodes later this year. I'll also talk about what's going on with that, too, and all the other Marvel Disney Plus shows. There's actually a lot of big stuff and a lot of good news. Just starting with the big stuff first, if you don't know what was going on with the Avengers livestream, they were trying to get everybody to come out and vote, so they were just trying to promote that. So a bunch of the Avengers showed up, including Robert Downey Jr. Most of them were clowning on each other the entire time just because they're all kind of like a family now. One of the other fun name drops that they made during this, though, was Red Hulk, just because there's so many theories about them doing Red Hulk during Marvel Phase 4 and all the hints that we've gotten via the Super Soldier program. I've done a bunch of videos about that. I'll do some more when we get some more hints from the Black Widow movie. But they played a big trivia game, and Robert Downey Jr. later revealed that he had actually been using his quote-unquote Infinity Gauntlet to guess the answers correctly. I, I do have the Time Stone. And there were three questions, burning questions that I needed the answers to. So I, I might have played with the multiverse a little bit. Well, see, there was, there was 433, <laughs> Falcon, and I, I needed the answer on a certain upcoming uh, decision. <laughs> Glad you survived the use of those stones, oh, Robert. Oh, my God. So what does that mean? Does that mean we tied? Until we get to the Avengers What If episodes in the Black Widow movie, this is about as close as we're going to get to Iron Man actually coming back in a Marvel project. I know there's a lot of questions because Robert Downey Jr. has said a lot about what his plans are in terms of future Marvel movies. For the most part, he said that he has no big plans to come back and do Iron Man 4 or like a really big Marvel movie. But that doesn't include the smaller projects like the Avengers What If series. We're going to get the episodes of that next summer. I'll also explain the schedule for that in a second too because they're only doing 10 episodes in season 1 and they're doing one episode for every single MCU film, which is 23 including Spider-Man Far From Home. The big report you may have heard more recently, though, is about him coming back in the Black Widow movie, but in a very roundabout way, very circuitous, not exactly what people would expect when you hear Robert Downey Jr. might be coming back as Iron Man. So the Black Widow movie mostly takes place in the past after the events of Captain America Civil War, but before Avengers Infinity War picks up. That's why Black Widow's hair is still red. It hasn't become blonde yet. So when you see people reporting that Robert Downey Jr. is supposedly going to show up during the Black Widow movie, it's actually going to be footage from Captain America Civil War that they're reusing or that they didn't put in Captain America Civil War. So adding him via deleted scenes. So technically it's him coming back, but it's not them filming new footage of Robert Downey Jr. walking around on set recording new lines. You may have also seen them talking about Black Panther 2 recently because they were talking to Letitia Wright, who played Shuri, about what their plans are for the Black Panther 2 movie now that Chadwick Boseman has passed away. I've already done a couple videos about that, so I'll link them in the description. A lot of people are now wondering if that's how they're going to actually work around Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther 2 to include him in the movie without having to go full Leia in Rise of Skywalker. 
where they use a lot of the deleted scenes from Black Panther that no one has ever seen before and work them into new footage to make it appear as if he actually recorded new dialogue to work within whatever the story winds up being for Black Panther 2 now. Most everyone is still grieving for him right now, so as you would expect, Marvel probably isn't going to say anything about that movie for at least another year or so. Originally, they were going to go into pre-production early next year. Chadwick Boseman himself was hopeful that he was going to gain all his weight back and just hit another home run. But sort of bringing it back around to Avengers What If, the Disney Plus series, the Black Widow movie, because of all the things that have seemingly gone wrong during 2022 and how it's completely upended the Hollywood business of movies and television, Disney has actually now redoubled their efforts on digital productions for Disney+. Disney is now in the process of completely redesigning the way that they make movies and television shows and release them. More for Disney+, Plus now. They're leaning into Disney+. Plus. That doesn't mean that they're going to release Black Widow on Disney+. Plus. They're still planning on releasing it in theaters in May next year, even though it seems like it didn't need to be delayed quite that much. It just means that a lot of the bigger projects that you would hope that they do during Marvel Phase 4, Marvel Phase 5 are now sort of being redesigned for Disney Plus release. So whereas they think about the movies and the theatrical releases first, like the really big movies, now they're more thinking about Disney Plus stuff first and also on the side about the big movies. Really good example of that would be a Young Avengers movie. They're introducing a lot of the Young Avengers characters from the comics in the Marvel Phase 4 Disney Plus series. Like Miss Marvel, you have the She-Hulk character, you have the Kate Bishop Hawkeye, you have Cassie Lang's stature. There's rumors that Ant-Man 3 is going to feature a version of some Young Avengers storylines. We got the announcement of Kang the Conqueror. He's a big Young Avengers villain. It just seems like they're all building up to a Young Avengers team-up project. Normally, you would expect Marvel to put something that big with that much buildup in a movie theater, but now it sounds like they're thinking more about putting stuff like that on Disney+. Plus. So whether they do Young Avengers as a series or they do it as a movie, just start thinking more about Disney Plus releases for projects like that. Now, the traditional Avengers movies like Avengers 5, Avengers Secret Wars, the bigger stuff, those will always get theatrical releases first, then they'll go to Disney+. Plus. And in terms of bringing back a lot of these classic Avengers, because like Black Widow is dead in present day, for instance, a lot of them will be coming back for the Marvel What If episodes. They haven't completely confirmed what the entire roster of season one episodes is going to be. Like I said, it's only going to be 10 episodes. Most of the episodes that you see featured in that trailer footage, like Marvel Zombies, Captain America, The First Avenger, the Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy crossover episode, those will all probably be season one episodes. They haven't really said how they're going to tackle a lot of the sequel movies, though, because if they're doing one episode for every single MCU movie, then, for instance, bringing it back around to Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., you kind of understand what the story of Iron Man 1 might wind up being. Like, what if Iron Man became Doctor Strange instead? But what is the what-if episode for Iron Man 2 going to be, or the what-if episode for Iron Man 3? So you kind of have to treat the what-if episodes as sort of one-offs, even though they might be loosely connected. The way the original comic book that it's all based on is told as in one-off episodes, as if the Watcher is telling you this is a timeline where things played out a different way than in another episode, they move to a completely different story. So you can all see how the multiverse is very important to the idea and the concept of the what-if series, and why at least originally they weren't going to drop the series till after Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness. The virus has sort of upended all those plans. Now we have Spider-Man 3 coming before Doctor Strange 2. We have all the news of Doctor Strange being in Spider-Man 3. There is a lot of multiverse stuff that's still happening, but they had to sort of re-engineer the way all the different movies connect because the order of the movies has changed a little. 
it'll all start with the Avengers WandaVision episodes. I think that'll be sort of the explainer for how they're going to handle the multiverse in the MCU beyond what we saw during the first Doctor Strange movie in the way they explained it during Avengers Endgame. Elizabeth Olsen was also dropping more House of M Easter eggs. She said that the series is going to analyze Scarlet Witch's mental state and the idea of mental health. So obviously everyone's just kind of expecting her at some point to completely lose it and that's really where the multiverse goes crazy. But early theory here for how this is all going to play out is that Avengers WandaVision will sort of upend the multiverse in a crazy way and they'll be dealing with the consequences of that in all the MCU movies that come after it until you get to Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness where Doctor Strange finally fixes most of those issues. But along the way those quote unquote consequences provide for some really interesting cameo and crossover opportunities like you've been hearing all the Spider-Verse rumors for Spider-Man 3. The only thing that we know for sure is that Jamie Foxx's Electro from the amazing Spider-Man movies and Andrew Garfield's universe is coming into Spider-Man 3 in some way. We won't have to wait that long to find out what's going on. There was an executive from Sony that was recently quoted as saying that they would release a Spider-Man 3 preview before the end of the year. So some sort of teaser or a trailer video. They're filming the movie right now. Tom Holland has been posting from behind the scenes. It looks like he's so tired he's getting ready to pass out. But the beauty of the Marvel What If series is that because it's animated, it's a lot easier to get the actors to come back to play their roles again, especially the ones that have either died or the ones that said that they're never coming back to do another big Marvel movie like Robert Downey Jr. Because in each of the episodes you can say this is a completely separate reality where this is taking place where events played out differently in whatever movie it is that they're covering. Really one of the bigger changes even from the multiverse in Marvel Phase 4 is the idea of them doing more supernatural characters, darker characters. Like you get into the Blade movie, Ghost Rider, any of the Midnight Suns, you have the Moon Knight series. There'll be more announcements about all that stuff pretty soon too. But let me know in the comments below, assuming that Scarlet Witch blows up the multiverse in a really crazy way during WandaVision episodes, what do you want them to do with the idea of alternate reality stories during the What If series? In terms of release date, right now they just announced the November schedule for Disney Plus. WandaVision is not on that, meaning that it's probably going to drop in December like they originally said it was. There were a lot of rumors about it dropping a little bit earlier. Now it just seems like it's going to be closer to the end of the year. I just did a video for the new Mandalorian season two trailer. Of course, I'll be doing videos for all the episodes just like I did during season one. As long as you have alerts enabled for that, you should see all those videos when I post them. And then right after the Mandalorian season two episodes, we'll be rolling into Avengers WandaVision episodes. So see, 2020 isn't quite so crap. There is some really cool stuff coming up. Everyone click here for that brand new Mandalorian season two trailer video and click here to rewatch the Avengers WandaVision trailer a billion more times. Thank you so much for watching. Everyone stay safe. I'll see you guys tonight. What's going on guys? Welcome to Everything Always. My name's Michael Roman. Now Shang-Chi has been back on set and filming for quite some time now. One of the very first Marvel productions to get underway down under, recently moving the venue from Australia to San Francisco where there's been a ton of set footage leaking out of car chase scenes. Now of course we've been talking about leaks and rumors since the beginning of this film's announcement at San Diego Comic-Con 2019 which have all included this tournament structure film and now recently an anonymous plot leak from none other than 4chan has a 
apparently revealed the entire tournament bracket. We're going to break it down, read through it word for word, of course, annotate it where necessary, and issue the normal spoiler warning. But first, if you could grab the subscribe button, we're still giving away this insane one-fourth scale XM Studios Beta Ray Bill and our third and final Infinity Saga box set. And because we finally hit 700,000 subscribers last night, and I cannot thank you guys enough from the bottom of my heart, we'll be announcing the winners of the two PlayStation 4 Pros at the end of this video. So first up, the normal customary spoiler warning when anything anonymous comes up at the channel. Remember to take everything that doesn't directly come from Marvel Studios with a grain of salt. In the past, sometimes these anonymous 4chan leaks have been right and very correct. So take it both ways, both sides of the coin. And if this is in any way going to ruin your Shang-Chi or Marvel Phase 4 experience, you know yourself better than others if you're susceptible to this kind of thing, which definitely begs the question as to why you clicked on this video in the first place. Either way, you've now been sufficiently warned as well as guys, don't go looking for 4chan leaks on 4chan. That site is not safe. They're usually resourced by the time we post these videos on Reddit. And in this instance, we'll even source the text in an original overlay. Either way, if you want to read it for yourself, look for these on reddit 4chan is not a safe site it starts by saying i have limited knowledge about the plot of shang chi goes on to say tournament is 16 people obviously shang chi and fa lo su are both in the tournament mandarin stacks the deck in his favor so he can be sure to win the rings spiral a six-arm mutant doesn't get a lot of backstory dedicated to her and of course we know her from a lot of the animated cartoons in the early 90s baron mordo the hangover from doctor strange one he doesn't actually fight in the tournament because wong takes him out but he wanted the 10 rings to help rid the world of sorcerers his place in the tournament is taken by clive rest who is eliminated and captured by the Mandarin. That's a sort of twist though. Wong sticks around to guide Shang longer than you'd think. Batroc the Leaper, unclear who he is working for, but definitely a hired gun. Him and Omega Red have a fun dynamic like buddy cops. That's hard for me to imagine, but we've already seen pictures of Backtrack the Leaper confirming he'll be back in the Falcon in the Winter Soldier, so it's not a surprise that he'll hang over for Shang-Chi, which will be coming out shortly after the Falcon in the Winter Soldier's release. Omega Red, needless explanation, seeks the Ten Rings for Russia. Also, heavy rumors of Omega Red's involvement with the Falcon in the Winter Soldier as well, and if they're both going to be connected in that show, not a surprise they both would be entering the tournament. T-Ray, some C-list Deadpool character who can teleport, who gets weirdly huge amount of focus before defeated by Shang-Chi. Maybe that's just because they want to build him up if that's who Shang-Chi will be facing in the tournament. A Black Widow named Felicia, not really a character. Wonder if we'll be introduced during Black Widow's solo film. Also pretty interesting considering a lot of these characters are coming from films and TV shows that show up before Shang-Chi. Wizkid, some kind of techno mutant. Mutant, you say? I wonder if the guy writing this just wrote that because he thinks of him as a mutant or he was originally. Not sure they're going to have explained mutants by the time we get to Shang-Chi. Develops a good friendship with Shang. Folly demolishes him. White Claw, a Native American warrior. Danica, a female Asgardian who has been sent by Valkyrie to investigate and compete in the tournament. She is killed by Omega Red. Now, of course, again, remember right after the prologue, I reminded you guys, you always want to take all of this with a grain of salt. It was posted anonymously, but it, pretending this is fictional and just something someone wrote, they definitely would have done a ton of research and backstory to connect all of these characters to what's coming up in all of the movies circulating in the earlier part of Marvel Phase 4. That sounds like something 
something Marvel Studios would do. And for me, that sort of makes me curious as to the actual credibility of this leak. In a good way, though, thinking that maybe there, there is some truth to this. Avok, a vampire who is the funniest character in the entire movie, takes out Omega Red due to not having any life force to drain. That's interesting on two points. First of which, how Omega Red's power set might work in the MCU. And of course, remembering that no matter how powerful someone is, there's maybe always another mutant and or character that can trump them in some sort of way. And then second fold, having vampires in the MCU. If this is a confirmation before we get Blade, well, we already know they're going to be there. Blade has to have vampires to fight against, but it would be very interesting having this introduction and or confirmation of vampires in the MCU years before we get a Blade film after Korg basically teased them in Thor Ragnarok, even though that was really just an homage to his earlier movie, What We Do in the Shadows. He goes on by finishing this league with, there are four other just martial artists who may or may not be named. I've seen them have various different names and genders and ages at different points in the script. One of them was originally an old man who was really disciplined and was a lesson from Mandarin to Shang, but most recent draft I saw that was cut. Quick additional spoiler warning here, if you want to back out from the video, this last paragraph talks about how the movie ends. Again, if that's any problem for you, I'll let you back out in three, two, one. As you can guess, it comes down to Shang and Fa Lo Su at the end. Shang defeats her and wins the Ten Rings. Bing Bang Foom is accidentally unleashed. Mandarin, Fa, and Shang defeat him together. Fa and Shang defeat the Mandarin. Now, one thing I'd like to point out after we went over the entirety of this is it literally started with, I have limited knowledge about Shang-Chi, and then went ahead and outlined every character in the movie and gave us the ending as well. I'm going to take that ending with a grain of salt, a big one, but it is very interesting, like I said, to see the connections to all of these characters who would be showing up all around the earlier parts of Marvel Phase 4 and then see them come together in a tournament structure. Now, I haven't had a chance to weigh in on this reel recently, but there are definitely a couple schools of thoughts and people who have weighed in over the last year or so and said there are certain international markets that don't like tournament films, even though they'll be nostalgic and feel good for an American market who really hasn't had any tournament films since, I don't know, the late 80s. That's not something other international markets like at all. It'll be interesting to see if there's any truth or validity to this. I sort of ignored them with the earliest plot leaks we've gotten, but guys, we've been covering this seriously for almost a year or over a year now, and all of the leaks have always talked about a tournament. Maybe it's all of them just coming from the initial leak, and there's no way of knowing, again, if there's any validity to to this tournament roster so you guys let me know if they didn't mention someone you think should be included from the already existing mcu or any other characters you think are important to shang chi's backstory i am all ears i'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this in the film in general now quickly let's get into the giveaway stuff including the winners of the two 700,000 playstation 4 pros guys it is insane to think that we are still under three years old and we just hit 700,000 subscribers i cannot thank each and every one of you enough for all of your support here over the last couple of years, your interaction, the community that we've built. I am so thankful for each and every one of you. And my promise to you over the next couple of years as we start to get back to actual Marvel releases is that I will do my best to always stay on top of everything that we find interesting as a fan base and cover it with as much unbiased as possible. Now, without much further ado, the two winners picked randomly for the PlayStation 4 Pros for the 
100,000 giveaway are Sean Jackson for the comment, can't wait, I've never won anything. Well, now you have. And Cody Irvin for so cool, we can see this regarding the Spider-Man audition tape. Email me on my business email. You can find that on the about section of the YouTube channel or DM me on Instagram at I am fires. We have a verification process we'll go through and then have these shipped directly out to you guys. Now we're still running some awesome giveaways this year at 750,000 subscribers, which we should hit by the end of the year. We're going to give away this XM Studios one fourth scale beta ray bill. And we're still giving away our third and final infinity saga box set, which we'll give away in December, regardless of the subscriber count. If you want to be entered to win all the same rules always applies here at the channel, hit the subscribe button to make sure you're a subscriber. Then hit the notification bell with notifications turned on to keep up with the videos. Leave a like and a comment on this video. And because it's truly random, the more videos you comment on, the better chance you have of winning. All winners will be announced at the end of the videos the same way we did here today. And if you've missed any of the previous winners, no worries. All you have to do is scroll back to the channel, look for winner announcement and the sub count in the title, click on that video and scroll to the end. My name's Michael Roman. This is everything always, guys. Thanks so much for checking out the channel and stick around. We'll be posting again real, real soon. going on guys welcome to everything always my name's michael roman you know it's kind of crazy to think how fast this year went by and in just a couple of short months we're going to get the official release of wandavision a lot of people think myself included that with that release we're also going to get the official trailer for falcon and the winter soldier even maybe circling the date december 10th on the calendar that's the official next investors day meeting as a likely opportunity sometime around there in proximity to release that and get investors and fans hype alike well we got two huge reveals yesterday one from official merchandise another from a writer in an interview talking about the villains and the antagonists of the show we're going to go ahead and issue a light spoiler warning talk about what was revealed and of course try to contextualize it with what we already know about the upcoming falcon in the winter soldier but first if you could grab the subscribe button we're still giving away this insane one fourth scale beta ray bill as well as our third and final infinity saga box set all you have to do to be entered to win hit the subscribe button then hit the notification bell, leave a like and a comment on this video, and make sure to check yesterday's video for the two winners of the 700,000 PlayStation 4 Pros. Now quickly, we don't issue a spoiler warning before every video, but this one may have some huge reveals and rather the implications of the reveal. So if there's any chance that this is going to ruin your Falcon and Winter Soldier, Disney Plus, or Marvel Phase 4 experience, you might want to back out now. Now the first reveal that we got officially came via some merchandise that finally hit shelves where we found out that John John Walker would indeed be called Captain America in the show. We've already pointed to that with a lot of theories that the government themselves are going to want to install their own propaganda Captain America and not going to recognize Falcon given all of his backstory. And even Anthony Mackie himself has said that he's not going to start off Captain America, that he's going to have to earn the shield. This in and of itself, not a huge spoiler, but just confirming John Walker will eventually be given the title of Captain America during the show. Now it's the next set of reveals coming from an official writer on the show that generated a lot more buzz and headlines yesterday as reported by Empire according to writer Derek Coldstad quote who spoke on the latest episode of the Script Apart podcast about his original screenplay for John Wick there he teased a little of what's in store for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier including the fact that some familiar faces from long ago in the MCU will make appearances 
What I will say is that there are characters from the earliest Marvel movies that are coming back, Colstead said. We're layering them in and reinventing them in a way that's going to shift the storytelling structure. It's effing awesome. Colstead goes on to say, quote, I'm very proud of and honored by what it became to be. Here's what I'll say. Growing up, everybody would give someone like Robin some sh but Robin's pretty badass and became pretty badass in the comics. We're taking a secondary character and putting them in a primary role, and as a result, they're way cooler. They're more interesting. There's more humanity, more longing, more suffering, and coming to grips with who and what they are. Again, that is exactly mirrored by Anthony Mackie's sentiment about what this series should be, that he won't start off Captain America, that he's going to have to earn the shield, so to speak, before he can inherit the title Captain America. Now, the idea that they'd be returning heroes and villains alike from the earliest part of Marvel Phase 4 was something we've talked about in both official reports and anonymous 4chan leaks. I know you guys love those here at the channel over the last couple of weeks. Set photos confirming Winter Soldier's Batroc the Leaper and even Daniel Brühl's Baron Zemo who got a full backstory during Civil War but not a full explainer to his narrative and definitely not a finisher. Even some rumors that he'd be teaming up with Sam Wilson and Bucky somewhere along the way. But as I said, the implication of this reveal is rather huge because when you think about the earliest parts of the Marvel Cinematic universe, especially Phase 1 and Phase 2, most of the names that only had one or two scenes or that didn't go anywhere are villains, and there are a ton of them that fans have been rather vocal about wanting to return in the future of the MCU, a ton asking for the future of Red Skull now that he's been cleared from Vormir and no longer has to guide people to the Soul Stone, although the idea that Captain America returned the stone, maybe he's still there, or someone like the leader who was teased at the end of the Hulk, we've never seen again. Speaking of the Hulk, maybe Abomination, and quite possibly even Justin Hammer, depending on which storyline they decide to go with in the future of the MCU. But incidentally enough, all of those characters revolve around one specific character in Thunderbolt Ross, who still has yet to turn into the Red Hulk. And if all the theories are correct, and again, one of my earliest videos here at the channel, in between Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, was explaining that Marvel kept him around, that's Thunderbolt Ross, gave him dialogue in movies like Infinity War. He maybe had more lines than Sam Wilson, and they weren't going to do that if they weren't eventually planning on turning him into the Red Hulk. That's going to happen at some point. We've heard rumors about the Falcon in the Winter Soldier. There's a likely possibility, though, some of these other villains who all tied to that earlier part of the MCU, to the Hulk, to Thunderbolt Ross, even more specifically to Iron Man, see dead but not gone, still hanging over the storyline for the MCU. There's going to be real opportunity for them to be inserted back in the storyline because you think about the part of the government and where they operated, what their storylines revolved around, well, post Avengers Endgame with the snap and the blip, the world is going to be in complete chaos. I know that we saw Spider-Man Far From Home very shortly after Avengers Endgame would have taken place, and I didn't want to go ahead and burst the suspension bubble by saying, hey, isn't it a little awkward? Everybody just showed back up and they're going on a vacation. Again, part of suspending disbelief, didn't want to question that hole in the narrative, but for me, honestly, that was the biggest hole in the whole movie. There's no way that everybody was coming back and that everything was going to be stable and good enough all of a sudden for people to go on school vacation abroad. Either way, this show promises to sort of address the snap and the blip 
how lives have changed, and how that seriously impacts the structure of power in the world on a much more serious level. And we're going to see Sam inserted in the middle of this. If you didn't see yesterday's video, not just for the giveaways, but the entire Shang-Chi quote-unquote tournament bracket that's been leaked, including characters from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as well as other far-reaching parts of the MCU, I highly suggest you watch it because it implies what they're doing in this earlier phase is something that they couldn't have hoped for in the Infinity Saga. Remember when they were doing Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, trying to just get to Avengers, trying to get to Avengers 2. As time went on, they became more and more comfortable. Going into this fourth phase, it seems as though Marvel Studios were able to take a step back and make it even more connected than it's been before, and part of that is bringing back the old characters whose narratives didn't quite get enough play in an interesting way, and that's what the writer is saying for this show, which leads us to believe it's going to be super in-depth and super exciting on a level that perhaps WandaVision will be a little bit different, a little more insular, focused on those characters and a broader narrative leading to Doctor Strange. Falcon and the Winter Soldier may be that huge comic crossover MCU event that we're looking for in lieu of not having an Avengers 5 coming anytime soon, and especially considering that some of these characters held over directly from Avengers Civil War. Guys, let me know all your thoughts down below. Which characters do you want to see from the earlier part of Marvel Phase 1? I'm guessing the leader for a lot of you. I've read the comments here at the channel over the last couple of years. How hype are you for Red Hulk? And how many episodes do you think it takes before the Falcon and the Winter Soldier reveal Red Hulk? I'm totally curious. I, I'm guessing about four before Thaddeus Ross is full-on Red Hulk breathing fire. Let me know all your thoughts down below and quickly let's get into the giveaway stuff before I let you go. We're still giving away this insane one-fourth scale Beta Ray Bill. XM Studios released this a couple of years back. We're giving this away at 750,000 subscribers as well as our third and final Infinity Saga box set that we'll give away during December, the holiday season, regardless of the subscriber count. It's just going to be given away at the end of the year. If you want to be entered to win, all you have to do is hit the subscribe button, then hit the notification bell with notifications turned on to keep up with the channel. Leave a like and a comment on this video, and that'll automatically enter you to win all the rest of the prizes we give away here, like the PlayStations we gave away yesterday. Again, if you missed that announcement, check back to Shane Chi's video again from yesterday. They're announced at the end. My name is Michael Roman. This is Everything Always guys thanks so much for checking the channel if you want to connect with me on another level i stream four or five nights a week on twitch that's twitch.tv forward slash novellan we play a lot of world of warcraft and other spell adjacent games and you can follow me on spotify at all fires for original music or if you want to follow me on instagram it's at i am fires thanks so much guys i'll see you again real real soon What's going on guys? Welcome to Everything Always. My name is Michael Roman. Now it was just over a month ago here at the channel. In fact, the same exact morning that the WandaVision trailer came out later that night. That was completely synchronicity. We had no idea it was coming. Explaining a deep-seated Magneto Easter egg in both Avengers Age of Ultron and the post credit scene from Captain America Winter Soldier. Explaining why perhaps Scarlet Witch and her brother Quicksilver had an affinity for those experiments from the Infinity Stone while they were with Hydra and now a brand new 
new official Easter egg in the most recent release from Marvel, The Wakanda Files, explaining why they were even doing experiments in that region in the first place, and it only helps solidify our original theory. We're going to go ahead and break down this brand new Easter egg, where it came from, and then contextualize it with the video we did just a month ago, all coming together to explain that Magneto may very well already be in the MCU, and what in the world this means for Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and a retcon that allows for the introduction of mutants. We're going to break it all down, but first, if you could grab the subscribe button, we're still giving away this insane one-fourth scale beta ray bill from XM Studios and our third and final Infinity Saga box set this December. All you have to do to be entered to win, hit the subscribe button, then make sure to leave a comment down below, and if you want, stick around at the end of the video. We'll get into all the giveaway stuff again there. So some quick context in case you haven't already heard the name, the Wakanda Files. Earlier this week, it made some headlines, major reveals from Avengers Endgame and text between Iron Man and Bruce Banner discussing the multiverse and alternate realities. As described by Marvel, this is, quote, an in-world book from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Wakanda Files compiled by the request of Shuri as part of her quest to improve the future of all peoples is a collection of papers, articles, blueprints, and notes amassed throughout the history of Wakanda's war dogs. Now, interestingly enough, when they say in-world book, they mean that this is sort of like an artifact from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you may remember it was another Marvel Cinematic Universe book from Infinity War that started the first retcon with how mutants are introduced. There was a nod to Scarlet Witch possibly being unlocked from the Infinity Stone. Well, we took it one step further a month ago and explained this, that the post credit scene in Captain America Winter Soldier, as well as the discussion between Ultron and Scarlet Witch and her brother, made sure to point out one fact, that it was only the two of them that survived experiments and then I took it a step further than that and explained that even though they had this scepter now this wasn't the first infinity stone that Hydra had control of we saw during Captain America 1 Red Skull had the Tesseract as far back as the World Wars they would have been doing experiments back then and it could be the case that Scarlet Witch and her brother survived because of whom their father was and even one step further than that using a reddit theory that perhaps he had used his powers over metal or emitted an EMP to stop that star tech bomb from exploding, saving his children, and even though his timeline wouldn't exactly match up with either of the world wars, it would make him rather old at this point, you could have it that his lineage at some point was tied to the Holocaust, making good on Magneto's backstory and working him into the MCU. My basic logic was this, either Marvel's going to stick by keeping Scarlet Witch's father Magneto, or they're not, which would be a major change, and if they are, then he's already around, we just have to work the story out. Well, we got a major Easter egg from this Wakanda Files book, and remember, this is canon to the MCU because the book itself is supposed to be in-world. That explains, apparently, Hydra chose Sokovia to do those tests in the first place because they found genetic oddities in the population. Gee, you don't say. And this only adds further concrete to my theory that Hydra might have been doing tests as far back as the Tesseract, and there showed a sort of affinity, this latent X gene that we might find out more about in the Eternals, already unlocking in that population. Yes, only Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver survived, but there would have been others, very few others along the way. And as I explained in my original theory just a month ago, as Ultron is listening to Wanda and Petro explain their backstory, he is accessing files on the internet as he often does to put it all together, and he realizes whom their father is or whom along their lineage had tests on them based 
on Hydra's files, therefore confirming when he says, I wondered why only you two survived, now I don't, he's not referring to their resolve or determination, actually just to the file evidence from Hydra that there had already been experiments further on back in their line. So putting a little more weight on this Easter egg in the book, it's not just that that region had the anomalies, that they had some sort of predisposition to it, you'd probably find the same predisposition scattered across the globe, it's just that that region would have had interaction through the experiments given both the Tesseract and Hydra having access to that and the scepter. Of course, making this really just a geographical situation and circumstance more than anything else. And of course, they would have been running tests there in the region for a while. There would have been multiple families and or lineage that was birthed off of that. And it would be the same anywhere else. Well, basically you can have an interaction like Captain Marvel and survive become who she became through that interaction with the Infinity Stone if, well, you're wired for it. But that's the thing. You have to have the interaction in the first place, the Tesseract and the other Infinity Stone and the Scepter were only around at certain times, which means considering the region, Magneto could already be in the MCU, a product of those experiments either on him or his family and already be the mutant Magneto that we know he is without having to sort of go around and explain all of this, it's already set up, which is pretty amazing considering we had the snap and the blip, Avengers 1, Nick Fury making sure to say, Gamma radiation is dangerous. The Hulk making sure to say before he snapped, it's gamma radiation. It's like I was meant for this. You put that all together, and now you have a huge cross-section of the population that has now interacted with the Infinity Stones instead of just a select few. And yeah, it'll affect a lot of people differently, but there are gonna be those who have that gene DX gene, the mutant gene, who are now going to have it unlocked because they finally had an interaction with the Infinity Stone. Guys, we're about to have a full series focused on Scarlet Witch that involves heavily her loss of family members along the way. It's going to be sort of difficult for the MCU to dance around who's an enormous and infamous mutant in Magneto, who is her father in almost every permutation in the stories in the Marvel Universe, and unless they're going to change that again, which would be a huge departure from everything we've ever read in the comics, there's a good chance that at some point they're going to have to introduce him, and if not during this series, then it's going to lead to it for sure. I have an inkling that as they start to explain along the way what it means to be a mutant, how all the mutants were created, of course it's going to tie to the blip, but even deeper than that, it's going to start to explain where some of these mutants have been the entire time, some of the other people who have crossed paths with the Infinity Stones, not just the ones we know about, but others, and how people like Magneto and or mutants like Logan became mutants in the first place, where was their source? I'm sure we're going to have a lot of twists and surprises, but now we know the general basis for it, and it's all centered around the Infinity Stones and having an affinity for those Infinity Stones to unlock the gene, however that was seeded. Guys, let me know all your thoughts down below. What you think about this, the fact that Marvel is going this way, how you feel about them using the snap and the blip in the Infinity Stones to help create mutants, and where you think mutants like Magneto have been this entire time. If it were up to you, how would you want to see them introduced? And do you agree with me that it's going to be sort of hard for them to do this whole series based on Scarlet Witch's backstory and life, all of her torment, and not at some point mention her father, who's classically Magneto? Let me know all your thoughts down below, and quickly let's get into the giveaway stuff before I let you go. Now, guys, we just gave away the final PlayStation 4 Pros when we dinged 700,000 subscribers. That's announced in a video about two days ago on the Shang-Chi tournament. If you missed that announcement, all you have to do is go back to the channel and look for the winner announcement in the title. We're still giving 
giving away this insane one-fourth scale XM Studios beta ray bill with 750,000 subscribers. And this December, regardless of subscriber count, we're giving away our third and final Infinity Saga box set this year. We already gave two away earlier in the year. This will be the final one, again, regardless of subscriber count. If you want to be entered to win, all the same rules will always apply. Hit the subscribe button and make sure to leave a comment down below. Then make sure to hit the notification bell with notifications turned on to keep up with the videos. Smash the like button if you enjoyed the content. And of course, if you want to connect with me on a deeper level than here, I've started streaming quite a bit over on Twitch. That's twitch.tv forward slash Novellin. I stream a lot of games, mostly World of Warcraft and some of their spell adjacent games. I also have some original music out on Spotify under All Fires, or you can follow me over on Instagram at I Am Fires to keep up with, well, basically a bunch of Marvel memes and occasionally a couple pictures of my dogs. Guys, thanks so much for checking out the channel and stick around. We'll be posting again real, real soon. Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and Avengers Endgame, in the rules of time travel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just got overturned by, of all things, a book. What are those? Actually, I'm really glad we got Shuri here, because it's the new book from Marvel and Epic Inc. called The Wakanda Files, presented as a compilation of Shuri's research on all the tech in the MCU, from weapons to AI to the quantum realm, with hidden messages revealed by a UV light from a Kimoyo bead. I still don't know what these books are, but I assume they're they're all like this and they sound great. Just uh, be careful pointing that bead anywhere in your room. Gross. One of these passages sheds some UV light on one lingering mystery from Avengers Endgame that has come back up recently. How much Iron Man Tony Stark knew exactly going into the time heist and his final battle with Thanos? He obviously knew more than he let on, right? He pre-recorded a goodbye message suggesting he remembered that one future in which they won would require his self-sacrifice, which is why why he knew from Strange's quivering finger alone what to do. And we've explored how he secretly designed his new Stark gauntlet, specifically to be compatible with his own nanotech so that he'd be able to discreetly absorb the stones off Thanos' hand onto his. And yeah, I've also gone deeper into that to suggest the gauntlet never would have worked had Thanos actually snapped it with all the stones in there, that it was secretly a one-time fuse that Hulk already ignited when he snapped, and that the whole thing was a trick to lure Thanos into a false sense of confidence. Anyway, the new detail that this Marvel book exposed is an encrypted message from Tony Stark to Bruce Banner, written around the time Tony was engineering that wrist GPS quantum navigator. According to Sci-Fi Wire, Tony mentions the David Deutsch model of quantum mechanics and he says, quote, altering events from the past could never affect the continuous loop, though it could create tangential split timelines. Let's not worry about that for the time being, right? One reality at a time for all our sanity. <laughs> New stuff. The Deutsch proposition actually came up earlier in the film. Tony, after everything you've seen, is anything really Quantum impossible? fluctuation messes with the Planck scale, which then triggers the Deutsch proposition. Can we agree on that? Tony was referring to the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, an assumption that Einstein's theory of space-time is false, allows for the theoretical possibility that multiple realities could coexist simultaneously. And this message from Stark to Banner explains how Banner was such a know-it-all to Scott, Rhodey, Clint, and Nebula. Think about it. If you travel to the past, that past becomes your future, and your former present becomes the past, which can't now be changed by your new future. Exactly. But the most interesting implication is the question it brings up over how much Stark knew going into this. Because right before they confront Thanos, Tony tells Cap, You mess with time, it tends to mess back. You'll see. 
Now, in the moment, we read this as Tony just warning Cap that Thanos himself is the kind of embodiment of fate inevitably returning to haunt anyone who tries to subvert it by messing with the laws of nature. But in the many months since first hearing it, many of us have reinterpreted this line as a possible hint at the even greater unseen chaos the Avengers have unleashed upon the multiverse by meddling with these timelines. One threat we recently learned about is Kang the Conqueror, Marvel's Time Lord villain confirmed to be played by Jonathan Majors in Ant-Man 3. Did Tony Stark know that Kang was coming? Well, there was another visual clue in Endgame that to this day has never been explained. The quantum tunnel device, when Evil Nebula hijacks it to bring 2014 Thanos into the present, features May 2012, that was the time of the Battle of New York that they went to in the time heist, but also two other completely random years, January 2988 BC and November 2009 AD. I have explained how 2988 BC was the earliest known historical date of an Infinity Stone, the Reality Stone, with the Aether appearing in Thor's ancestor Bor's Battle with the Dark Elves, shown in the prologue of Thor the Dark World, set in the year 2988. And 2009 would have been sometime between Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2, when Nick Fury would have been experimenting with the Tesseract under Project Pegasus. Now, these could just have been alternate time destinations being considered by the Avengers as they were plotting out the time heist, but now that we know Tony was aware of the dangers of tangential split timelines, I think that reframes how we should interpret this clue. Uh, but before I continue, thank you to Bang Energy for sponsoring this video. Ah. Sweet. Every can of Bang is 16 ounces. It contains 300 milligrams of caffeine. It's sugar-free and it has zero calories, yet it tastes real great. There's over 20 different flavors to choose from. One of those great flavors is Bangster Berry. A berry that I presume due to mandatory sentencing laws probably went to jail for a long time because being a bangster doesn't pay, but it does make a delicious energy drink. Check out Bang on Instagram. You can get 25% off your order at bangenergy.com when you use the code NEWROCKSTARS25. There you can buy cans of Bang Energy. They got a sweet tea flavor. They got a keto coffee flavor. You can also get clothing or fitness supplements, all kinds of stuff to be your or best bang self. Thanks again to Bang Energy for sponsoring this video. Get 25% off at bangenergy.com using the code NEWROCKSTARS25. So of course the timeline of Avengers Endgame is real tricky. There's the five year time jump, Scott Lang experiences time dilation, the Ancient One changes the movie's timeline logic halfway through, but most importantly each of their separate time missions conclude with all of them returning to the same exact moment in the present. As Marty McFly observes, when you have a time machine, you can return to whenever you want. Ooh, by the way, last year I analyzed the dueling depictions of time travel in Endgame and in Back to the Future, and we're gonna release it publicly on this channel in a few days. Don't listen to Scott Lang, Back to the Future is not a bunch of bullshit. But one time jump I think many of us missed is the one that occurred right after the obvious timeline meddling was supposedly finished. After the five surviving OG Avengers grieve over Natasha on the dock, the next shot we see of them is in Tony's lab when they're fitting the stones into Stark's new gauntlet, but the the editing hides the fact that some time must have passed here. Many of them are now suited up in different clothes. You know how long it must have taken Big Banner to change a top? He can't afford to just rip them all off. We did rank Bruce Banner as the most likely to be on welfare. I think this little time gap explains how those extra numbers could have ended up on that quantum tunnel console just before Nebula snuck over to it. And this new reveal from the book explains Stark's motive. See, remember, Cap grabbed four extra pimp 
particle vials from Hank Pym's lab in 1970. Stark and Cap only needed one each to get back to the present. That leaves two extra Pym particles lying around in the present day, giving Stark the opportunity, the motive, and the time to conduct two additional jumps to the past. And before you say Cap needed those extra vials for the return trip, nah, -uh, he clearly needed more than two. There were six stones separated from at least four different points in space-time, and presumably the Avengers reloaded on them from like Hank Pym, who was at the funeral, or the ones Thanos apparently reverse-engineered according to the directors. So what was Stark's secret time mission? Well, this book confirms that Stark knew about alternate realities that he warned Bruce Banner not to worry about. Yet. And when he tells Cap that time will mess back, he says, you'll see. Through his solitary experimentation, Stark must have known that some dark force is out there in the time stream playing it all like a goddamn harp. Yeah, I think Tony Stark knew about Kang the Conqueror and the way Kang has already controlled the time stream to enable his future dominion and his kingdom in Chronopolis, which I think that city in the quantum realm is more or less confirmed to be at this point. Stark knew Kang would create one of many branch realities by first snatching the reality stone back from the year 2988 BC. So Stark went back to stop him and clip off that branch. But Stark also knew that Kang would do the same with the space stone in 2009. So he thwarted Kang again and clipped off that branch. So that's two jumps, two vials. And by 2009, Hank Pym would be over there on the West Coast. So for Tony, it would just be a matter of zipping on over to Hank Pym's lab, stealing another particle and then returning to the present just in time to help Banner zip up into his active way. Look, folks, Stark went through something that we didn't see. There was an additional grimness in his eyes when he said those words to Cap just moments after this. You'll see. And I think it is because Tony Stark knew there were many other alternate realities controlled by one dark force, Kang the Conqueror, a time stream that Tony Stark tried to clip off but was unable to completely damn that stream. And he knows here that it's going to be on the surviving Avengers of the future to face a future that Tony Stark won't be a part of. Subscribe to New Rockstars, hit the notification bell, follow me on Instagram at EA Voss, follow New Rockstars. Thanks for indulging me as I pitched how Tony Stark went back in time to bang Kang. <laughs> Let's have a Kang bang. The MCU may be home to whole armies of heroes and villains, but some of Marvel's most popular characters have yet to cross over into Kevin Feige's epic franchise. But why? Here are the real reasons we haven't seen these Marvel characters show up in the MCU. Also known as the Silver Surfer, Norrin Rad is one of Marvel's more deeply tragic heroes. In order to save his homeworld from the planet-devouring Galactus, Rad agrees to become the villain's herald, searching the spaceways for other planets to sate Galactus's never-ending hunger. He later stands up to Galactus in order to save the Earth, and is forced to confront the immeasurable death and destruction he has enabled as a herald. Silver Surfer made his live-action debut in the 2007 bomb Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, a year before the MCU was born. There were widespread rumors that the space hero would make an appearance in 2018's Infinity War 2, but as it turned out, both Infinity War and Endgame came and went without any sign of the Surfer. The first and most obvious reason for Surfer's MCU absence is that until Disney's acquisition of Fox, Marvel Studios just didn't have the right to use him. While the acquisition began in 2018, it wasn't finalized until March 2019. 
So in most likelihood, Silver Surfer is going to have to wait in line until after the introduction of the Fantastic Four. Unless Marvel Studios plans to drastically change his origin, Silver Surfer can't be introduced without Galactus, and while Galactus could be featured without the Fantastic Four, it seems pretty unlikely, since Galactus is very much tied to their story. Think of it this way. Introducing the Silver Surfer to the MCU outside a Fantastic Four film would be like premiering Loki outside of Thor, or introducing the Red Skull in a Spider-Man flick. No first family, no Surfer. That's the deal. To the fans of Marvel Comics, one of the most conspicuous absences from the MCU's Infinity Saga was the cosmic savior Adam Warlock. Warlock is referenced a couple of times in the films, including making a kind of cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's mid-credits scene. I think I shall call him... Adam. So far, however, Warlock is pretty much a no-show. In fact, despite the big hint dropped in the second Guardians film, writer and director James Gunn has gone on record to say Adam isn't a lock for the third film. Warlock is one of the most pivotal figures of the 1991 miniseries Infinity Gauntlet, from which Infinity War and Endgame take much of their inspiration. In fact, after the events of Infinity Gauntlet, it's Adam Warlock who takes ownership of the Infinity Gems and forms the Infinity Watch to help him responsibly act as steward to the powerful artifacts. While Warlock's absence from the Infinity Saga is regrettable, it's understandable too. Warlock's prominence in Infinity Gauntlet is based on a long history of conflict between Warlock and Thanos. But when the MCU's Thanos struck in Infinity War, all we'd seen of Adam Warlock were Easter eggs. Bringing Warlock into that already crowded film would mean making time for another origin story. Regardless of the source material, the time just wasn't right for Warlock. Here's hoping fans will finally see him in action in the third Guardians film. Once Disney's acquisition of Fox was announced, a lot of fans seemed to think the X-Men's MCU debut would come relatively quickly. Some even posited theories about the mutants being introduced in Endgame. Unfortunately, it seems like it'll be a while before the X-Men take their place in the MCU. Marvel unveiled their plans for Phase 4 at the 2019 San Diego Comic-Con, with no X-Men-related projects among the announced films and TV shows. And this was before the COVID-19 pandemic pushed back theatrical releases for all the major film studios. Part of the problem is that Marvel Studios has done well playing the long game, and they're not going to start rushing anything anytime soon. In April 2019, Kevin Feige told io9 that the next five years of MCU projects had been mapped out before Disney's acquisition of Fox, making it unlikely Marvel's uncanniest heroes would be introduced before those five years were up. If you find that news frustrating, you're not alone. In May 2020, Deadpool creator Rob Liefeld made headlines after publicly doubting that Deadpool 3 would ever happen. Liefeld told io9 inside sources had assured him there was no movement on either Deadpool 3 or on any of the X-Men properties at Marvel Studios. So although it seems inevitable that the X-Men will show up in the MCU eventually, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. Disney's acquisition of 20th Century Fox also opened the doors to bring Marvel's first family home. While the team aren't Marvel's first superheroes, 1961's Fantastic Four No. 1 is the comic that paved the way for the company's success and drastically changed the comic book industry altogether. You could argue that an MCU without a Fantastic Four is like a DCEU without a Superman or a Batman. So far, however, there's no firm word on when we'll see the Fantastic Four in the MCU, or if they'll premiere in their own film or someone else's. 
Among the more popular rumors are the casting of John Krasinski as Reed Richards, as well as the intriguing fan theory that the team could premiere in Ant-Man 3, with the team being stuck in the same quantum realm where Hank Pym found Janet Van Dyne in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Honestly, though, it would be a surprise to see a new Fantastic Four movie as part of the MCU anytime within the next few years. On one hand, there's the simple fact that no Fantastic Four projects were part of Marvel's Phase 4 announcement. On the other, Marvel Studios will likely want to make sure the time is right for their iconic quartet. There have been three Fantastic Four films in the 21st century, two of them were bombs, and none were critically successful. There's no way Feige is going to rush into something as important as this. Namor the Submariner is one of Marvel's earliest heroes. The aquatic hero first shows up in 1939's Marvel Comics No. 1, and his subsequent battle with the original Human Torch is often considered the moment the Marvel Universe was created, since it established that two heroes from two different comics could exist in the same narrative. The main reason Namor hasn't shown up in the MCU is mostly to do with film rights. Universal Studios acquired the film rights to Namor in the 90s. It's not known exactly when it happened, but in 2014, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige confirmed that the film rights to the Submariner had at some point reverted back to Marvel. The situation is still complicated, though. No one has confirmed it, but it seems likely that Namor's situation is similar to the Hulk's. That is, while Marvel Studios may have the film rights to Namor, Universal still holds the distribution rights. This means that, just as with the Hulk, Marvel could include Namor in a team-up movie, but not his own solo film. It's seemingly more and more likely that Namor is on the way, though it will probably be a while before anyone knows for sure. There are some persistent rumors that Namor will be the villain of the upcoming Black Panther 2, and in April 2020, Avengers Endgame co-writer Christopher Marcus confirmed the mention of an underwater earthquake in the film was a reference to Namor. Do we have a visual? How are we handling it? Net. It's an earthquake under the ocean. We handle it by not handling it. Whether this pays off, however, has yet to be seen. Also known as Wonder Man, Simon Williams actually almost had a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. For the scene set on Earth, Firefly star Nathan Fillion posed as the actor-turned-hero in movie posters advertising a Simon Williams film festival. Sadly, no shots of the posters made it into the finished product. There are a few good reasons why this ionic-powered Avenger has failed to show up in the MCU thus far. For one thing, one of the big comic book moments he's best known for is being involved in Ultron's creation of the Vision, and that already happened in Age of Ultron, without Wonder Man's involvement. For another, he has a reputation for being a little derivative. His name sounds too similar to the more well-known Wonder Woman, and his power set and physical appearance makes him seem kinda like a Superman knockoff. Finally, there's simply been no great clamor for Wonder Man's introduction to the MCU, and he's never been perceived as much of a marquee character. There was a Wonder Man one-shot in 1986, though, as well as an ongoing solo series in the 90s and a 2006 to 2007 miniseries. So that's not to say it couldn't happen. After all, neither Black Panther nor Guardians of the Galaxy comics were breaking sales records before they became movies. But for the time being, it looks like Wonder Man is staying firmly off Marvel's radar. There have been a number of different incarnations of the Thunderbolts since they were introduced in the 90s, but the common thread is that the team's lineups are almost always made up of former or current bad guys, or heroes who prefer more lethal tactics. Things looked bright for a Thunderbolts entry into the MCU when James Gunn said that he'd made it known to Kevin Feige that he wanted to make a Thunderbolts film. But so far, the team has yet to make an appearance. There are probably a couple of reasons for that. 
Since the interview in which he said he pitched the Thunderbolts, Gunn was fired from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for offensive tweets from years earlier, hired by Warner Brothers to write and direct The Suicide Squad, and eventually rehired by Marvel. So if Gunn planted any seeds for a Thunderbolts film, they would have likely been uprooted with his initial firing. Not to mention that 2016 Suicide Squad and the upcoming The Suicide Squad prominently feature supervillains acting as heroes, so it could be that Marvel is apprehensive about being seen as ripping off their distinguished competition. But you never know. While Marvel hasn't announced any upcoming Thunderbolts movies, there are rumors the team will be featured in the upcoming The Falcon and The Winter Soldier Disney Plus miniseries. And considering Baron Zemo, the Thunderbolts' original founder and leader still has a role to play in Phase 4 and beyond, well, let's just say, never say never. In Marvel Comics, one of the most powerful members of the Avengers is Hercules, the super-powered strongman of Greco-Roman myth. Physically, he's in the same class as Marvel powerhouses like Thor and the Hulk, and just as he does in his legendary stories, he often finds himself in conflict with the gods who make up his family. Hercules is an infectiously fun character, too, and ironically, many of the ways in which he's most fun offer some insight into the most likely reason for his absence in the MCU. He's overconfident, parties hard, and often sees himself as the god's literal gift to women. He also tends to think with his fists, has vicious rivalries with his siblings, and never listens to his extremely powerful father, who happens to be the leader of the gods. In other words, you can easily make the argument that if you want to see a Hercules movie, you could easily just watch the first half hour or so of 2011's Thor. Whether he's redundant or not, it's possible Hercules could debut in the MCU. In June 2020, the Cinema Spot claimed that unnamed sources had revealed Hercules was on his way to a live-action Marvel Studios project. There was no indication of whether this would be a team-up film or one of Disney Plus's Marvel miniseries, or whether he would appear in his own project. Marvel has offered no confirmation so far, but it's not like they would, is it? Check out one of our newest videos right here. Plus, even more Looper videos about your favorite movies are coming soon. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you don't miss a single one.